Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Three fifty. Nothing personal. Word of the day is thirteen years, three hundred and fifty million dollars. Word came out yesterday that Juan Soto, one of the top three players in baseball, young player, not even a free agent. He's on the Washington Nationals. That he was offered, and he acknowledged it, which players don't often do. He acknowledged in a report that he was offered a thirteen-year deal by the Washington Nationals for $350, and he turned it down. Many of you asked me to talk about this, and so I want to. I want to break down this contract offer and why he turned it down, and not the low-hanging fruit of why he turned it down, which is that his agent is Scott Boris, and there's no way Scott Boris is letting Juan Soto sign a contract that does not set a record. NGTH, not going to happen. Juan Soto signed Scott Boris as an agent for the sole purpose of setting the record. And when the Nationals offered 13 years, 350, people do the math. They get out their calculators and they say, wow, hold on a second. That may be a really good deal for Juan Soto, right? Take 350, divide it by 13 years. They're going to give him $26 million a year. God, that's a lot of money. But their players making 30 million a year, 35 million a year, 43 million a year. That's Max Scherzer. 40 million a year. Trevor Bauer. Miguel Cabrera is making in the 30s. Giancarlo Stanton's making in the 30s. And Juan Soto's only making 26 a year? Let me explain. Juan Soto is eligible for arbitration. Arbitration means that after you've been in the league three years and before you've been in the league six years, instead of getting paid the league minimum, you actually have an arbitrator choose your salary. Juan Soto made his debut in May of 2018. Nothing personal fans know about service time manipulation. You know that we called up Miguel Cabrera June 20th, and that round there, of 2003. You know that players don't get added to the roster in the first days of April because if you wait a couple of weeks, guess what happens? You get to keep the player for an extra year before he can become a free agent. And if you wait until mid-June to call up a player, then that player only gets three years of arbitration. But if you call up your superstar in April or May, he helps you more that year, but he's also eligible for arbitration a fourth year, and that's called a Super 2. A lot of arguments and discussions are going on between the owners and the union because the players want more players who have been in the league two years to be eligible for arbitration because you get a big raise. The owners want fewer players eligible for arbitration after two years because they don't want to give the players a big raise. 
Juan Soto made $8.5 million last year. Do you know what would have happened if the Nationals had waited 30 days to call up Juan Soto in 2018? 30 days. His salary last year would have been $600,000. So let's just do a little back-of-the-envelope calculation when your GM walks into your office and says, hey, we got Juan Soto. He, you know he's going to be a superstar. We want him on the team. We have a good team here. Let's call him up right now. And I say to the GM, hey, can we just do some math for a second? If we call him up now in May instead of later in June, it'll be a long time from now. But in 2021, he'll be eligible for arbitration. In 2022, he'll be eligible. In 2023, he'll be eligible. In 2024, he'll be eligible. Let me get out my abacus and do some math. Here we go. Ready? 2021. By calling him up in May instead of June, he made $8.5 million. That means that would be about $8 million more than the five hundred grand he would make. And just for math purposes, I'm going to make it five hundred grand that he would have made in 2021 if he had been called up one month later. That's 2021. Now for fun, let's look at 2022. This coming season. Juan Soto is a second-time arbitration-eligible player who obviously had another great season, the MVP runner-up, coming off a batting championship in 2020. Oh, yeah, won the World Series in 2019. He would have been eligible for arbitration this year for the first time. Could he have set a record? Maybe. His first year's salary would have been in arbitration this year. Let's call it an unbelievable first year. Let's just say $13 million. Well, because he was called up in May, he made $8.5 million. Do you know what he's going to make this year? His arbitration number. It has not been decided. He has not signed a contract yet. I'm going to set the over-under right now of 16. Okay? Now, let's say he has a good year in 2022, 2023, eligible for arbitration. If he had made 13 as a first year, let's say he would make 18 the following year. Coming off 16, which is what he's going to come off, let's just say he makes 23 million. All right, let's go to 2024. Are you still with me? Because we're getting somewhere here. He'll go from 23 to 30 or from 18 to 25. All right, quick math, 8, 11, 16, $21 million more he will make before free agency because the Nationals called him up in the middle of May instead of the middle of June. Let me say it again, $21 million. Your GM comes to you and says, I want to call up my player in the middle of May, and you say, that's a $21 million issue. There's no chance we are calling him up right now. Wait for it. Wait for the middle of June, then call him up. Does it cost us a season by having a bad 30 games without him? Maybe. But $21 million worth? It's the easiest decision ever. You now see why owners and players are arguing so vociferously as it relates to arbitration and when players can be eligible for arbitration. But now let's look at a 13-year, $350 million deal for Juan Soto. 
let's pretend that his salary in the first three years was 16, 23, and 30, and then he'd become a free agent after the 2024 season. That is $69 million, right? He would get $69 million over three years. But he's getting 350 over 13 is the offer. That means he's getting 281 over 10 as a free agent. Does everyone like the math I'm doing? 281 over 10. That's $28 million a year as a free agent. You want to know why Juan Soto turned that deal down? When he becomes a free agent, his AAV will be way more than $28 million. And on top of that, he's only playing at 23 this year, turning 24 in October of 22. That means in October of 24, he will be 26 which means he will be able to get a 13-year deal through his age 39 season. He will get way more than $28 million a year. So by turning down the 13,350 right now, he is saying to himself, I'm going to make an extra 50 to 75 to $100 million by turning it down. What are the risks? Why did the Nationals say, sign this deal? We're going to get a bit of a discount because we are promising you $350 million. What happens if you get hurt next year? If you don't play, you'll go to arbitration. And instead of going from 16 to 23, you'll go from 16 to 16. That'll cost you $7 million right there. What if you get hurt the year after? Then who's going to sign you as a free agent to a 13-year deal or even a 10-year deal? You will be a hurt player. You will have blemishes on your resume that make a teenager's face look squeaky clean. So how do these deals get done? They get done with players who don't have Scott Boris as an agent. They get done with players who don't believe in themselves the way Juan Soto does. They get done with players whose risk analysis leads them to sign and get guaranteed money while they can Understanding the 350 versus 450 versus 550, what's the difference? Now, Juan Soto had a quote. He said, yes, they made me the offer a couple of months ago before the lockout we have in baseball. But right now, me and my agents think the best option is to go year after year and wait for free agency. My agent, Scott Boris is in control of that situation. Do you all maybe believe me now? Do you believe me now when I tell you that Scott Boris runs the free agency, takes advantage of players, doesn't care what players want, think, and makes decisions that are good for Scott Boris only? And if Juan Soto ends up getting hurt or stinking or gets hit in the head by a pitch, he will get rid of and ignore Juan Soto so fast that your head would spin like a top in Inception? But for whatever reason, Whatever Kool-Aid he gives these players, they love it. So Scott Boris then gave a quote. Juan Soto wants to win. So the first thing that's going to have to happen is that he knows that he's working with an ownership that's going to annually try to compete and win. And then I think once he knows that, then he'll be ready to sit down and talk 
whenever they choose to talk. I've got smoke coming out of my ears. I've got smoke coming out of my nose. And that's not phlegm. I don't have COVID. Scott Boris trying to tell you that he wants to find a team that annually is going to try to compete. Every free agent we've ever signed, we told them, oh, yeah, we're going to annually try to compete. Every team annually tries to compete, even when they're tanking. They say, oh, yeah, we're going to try to win as many games as we can. That's not the question that players need to be asking. Joel Wolf, the agent for Giancarlo Stanton, asked the only question that matters when negotiating Giancarlo Stanton's long-term deal, which was a deal that we knew he would take because of the offer that it was at that time. But the question asked by Joel Wolf was, with the money that you are paying Giancarlo Stanton in year five, what are you projecting your payroll to be? Because if it's not high enough, Stanton will be taking up too much of the payroll and he will have to be traded. And if he isn't traded, he will be on a team that stinks. And in baseball, one player does not a team make, and therefore your team won't win. That's the question. Of course, the Marlins ended up trading Giancarlo Stanton because he was too high a big a percentage of the payroll. So that was the end of that. That said, does Juan Soto end up re-signing with the Nationals? Does Steve Cohn come in after 2024? Now, I did a little math on Steve Cohn ownership. Hey, Coca, what was the first year of Steve Cohn's ownership, if you had a guess? I'm just curious. Would it have been the strike, the strike, the COVID-shortened season of 2020, or would it have been 2021? Let's just pretend it was 2020, 20, 21, 22, 23, 24. Holy shnikes. Do you remember when Steve Cohn, the owner of the Mets, took over the team and he said that he expects to win a World Series in three to five years? Can you imagine after the 2024 season when Juan Soto is a free agent and the Mets have not won a World Series and the reporters say to Steve Cohn, your three to five year window is now closed. Max Scherzer didn't get it done. Pete Alonso didn't get it done. What's your plan? I've got a plan for you, Mets fans. You got to believe in me. I know what I'm doing. We're getting the best player in baseball. Hey, Juan, here's $500 million over 10 years. We're giving you $50 million a year for 10 years. Come here and bring us a World Series championship because when I said three to five, I meant six. You think the Lerner family doesn't know, the owner of the Nationals, the Lerner family doesn't know that the Mets could be waiting in the wings? You don't think that in the same division in the National League East, it's not a factor for the Nationals to try to get Soto signed so he doesn't go to the Mets because there's nothing worse than losing your best player in the same division? You don't think the Nats remember what it's like to have lost Bryce Harper, though they're happy they lost him. They won a World Series after and the Phillies haven't. Be careful what you wish for when you take a player. Do you think Steve Cohn will be upset signing Soto to $500 million? Having Lindor making $30 million, having Soto making $50 million. It's going to be fascinating to watch. But if you're Scott Boris and you've got Juan Soto, who is a once-in-a-lifetime client this year, Scott always says that. I used to love that. David, he's a generational talent. And I'd say, Scott, you said that last year about your other guy. Well, he was a generational talent for that moment, is what he'd say, and it always made me laugh. You got to get this guy. It's like scouts. It's what they always say. You got to get this guy. There won't be anyone else like him. 
Next year, you got to get this guy. I don't understand anything like it. This guy can pitch. He can hit. He's a lefty. He's a righty. He can run. Next year, oh, this guy's got five tools. Every year, for crying out loud. So, what's going to happen with Juan Soto? He's going to keep rejecting long-term offers by the Nationals. He's going to go year to year. He's going to get into free agency. And then he's going to switch teams. Wait for it. But the Nationals know that they got rid of, they didn't re-sign Scherzer. They've made personnel moves, trading Trey Turner amongst them to the Dodgers, knowing that they were willing to allocate a huge amount of money to Juan Soto. So who will win the day? Will it be that Scott Boris wins the day and brings Juan Soto to free agency? Or will Juan Soto wake up one day in the next three years and say, oh man, I better take two in the hand. It's better than 17 in the bush because not only am I getting more than 350 now, but I I can't wait to guarantee that Steve Cohen's going to give me 500. It's going to be a war of wills. Scott Boris is really good at winning those wars. The only problem he has is when his players don't share that same intestinal fortitude. Juan Soto, through his quotes today, has made it pretty clear that he's going to wait it out. Well, we've got an MLB lockout update today, February 17th, 2022. At 1 p.m. Eastern time, we will finally have another meeting between the owners and the players Spring training was supposed to have begun. Games start February 26th for spring training and GTH. The bigger date to watch for is February 24th, one week from today. If there is not a deal, that means that the regular season will start to have to be postponed. February 24th, in my mind, is the last possible day of an agreement, though it could be the 25th or 26th, but for me, it's the 24th, will be the last day before which the first week of games will have to be canceled. They won't cancel a month at a time. They won't cancel a season at a time. The way games will get postponed in the regular season is one week at a time. That's it. So what am I looking for today? You're going to read a lot. There's going to be a lot of rhetoric. The owners will get a proposal from the players, and they'll leak it out to whether it's ESPN or MLB.com, and they'll leak it out and say, We were not satisfied. This did not show good faith movement. What took them so long to respond? They got our offer on Saturday. It took them till Thursday to respond for crying out loud. There's no reason it should have taken that long. The players will leak it to various other sources saying, we offered to move on minimum. We moved on the luxury tax threshold. We moved on revenue sharing. We moved on all the core economic issues, and that should be enough for a breakthrough because we are negotiating in good faith and we're ready to go and get a deal done. All of that rhetoric ignore. Here's what we're focused on. When the next meeting is. The way bargaining works is after the lockout happened on December 2nd, there was a lot of talk about 43 days before there was another proposal, before there was another meeting, and then there's another two weeks, and then they meet for 40 minutes, and everyone gets upset. How could you only meet for 40 minutes? They always say, just stay at the table. Just don't move. Lock them in a room. Well, anyone who's ever negotiated anything knows that negotiations require air. They require oxygen. They require distance. They all have their own timing, their own flow. And you know you're getting closer to an agreement when negotiating sessions are happening with shorter intervals between them. So the main thing that I'm looking for right now 
is actually how quickly the owners respond to what the players give them today. I'm not looking necessarily at how big the move is by the players. I'm looking at when the owners strategically say they are going to answer. Ideally, there should be another session no later than this weekend. At the latest, they should sit on Saturday. If they don't want to work on Shabbat, then they should try to get it done and answer by tomorrow. Because these are professional negotiators on both sides. The owners know exactly where the players are going to move, where they're going to offer. The owners know exactly what they're willing to do how far they're willing to move. They've mapped out every step, where they're going to give and when and how and in what increment, and the players have done the same. In an ideal world, you would say to the other side, how many moves do you have left? I got three, we got three, we both have three, let's just do three, ready, go. Every two days, we're going to do a move, and then in six days, we'll have an agreement, we'll start the season on time. But there's so much distrust, and there's so much toxicity that right now, neither side can actually calculate how many moves the other side has left in them. They know they've got moves, they just don't know how many. Neither side can figure out how quickly they want to respond because they say if they respond too quickly, it shows weakness. That's why the players took from Saturday to Thursday to respond because they wanted to show their disgust in the offer made by the owners on Saturday. If the owners want to show their disgust right back, they're going to artificially wait longer than they needed to before they give their response. All of this is enough to make you crazy, right? I agree with you, but relax. It's all part of the process. So let's pay attention to the lockout update today, the meeting today. Let's pay attention to when the response is, and we will keep talking about this on Nothing Personal. All right, let's take a break actually now, Coco. Is that cool? Let's take a break, and we're going to review a movie called Ascension. It is nominated for Best Documentary. And then we're also going to give you an update on the opioid trial, and we're going to talk a little bit about what the show was like yesterday and the response that we've had to the show. We will be right back. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to Nothing Personal. My name's David Sampson. Matthew Koch and I are here every day for your viewing and listening pleasure. YouTube, Nothing Personal with David Sampson. I cannot figure out why the subscriptions are going so slowly, but please, please just watch and hit subscribe. I appreciate it. I also love that you listen, but if you only listen and don't watch, then you have no way of seeing what I'm wearing. I may be in a Nothing Personal sweatshirt right now. Meanwhile, I know you want me to start making those available for you to buy, I promise you, 
I can't promise you. I believe in 2022, we will have nothing personal with David Sampson merchandise. What do you think of that, Coca? I think it'll be this year. But anyway, rate, review, follow. Next week, get ready. We're going to do a bunch of sit-downs. We're going to have two mailbags and at least two sit-downs for you next week because I'm going on a running trip. I am going to do a race every day in the Andes Mountains next week. And no, I do not expect to be in a plane crash. And no, I do not expect to eat anyone I'm with. However, we wanted to get shows for you because I like doing shows for you. So if anything happens next week, obviously you can go to Coca because Coca may take over nothing personal. Or maybe I'll have my phone in the middle of a run and I'll look at the phone and record a show if there's major breaking news. But anyway, there will be a show for you every day because I'm used to it, you're used to it, we're all used to it, why wouldn't we do it? All right, the movie I watch every day, the other day, that's just terrible. I got distracted. Coca, do you know why I got distracted? (laughs) Not because I got a text. I got distracted because I didn't remember whether we went to break. Because the way it works is I say, let's go to break, but then I just go and Coca puts in 10 minutes of commercials. I don't sit here for 10 minutes while the commercials are playing. I just say, hey, let's go to break. And then I pause, take a breath, Coca inserts the commercials. That's not editing me. We do 45 minutes straight and that's the 45 minutes of the show. And then I say, welcome back. Although I never really left. And then when I go on a detour, I forget whether or not I said we're going to break. And that's what just happened. But I think we did finish with the break. So we're back from break. I watch a movie every day. And I'm still watching Oscar-nominated movies. There is a documentary called Ascension. I had no idea what it was about. So I turn it on. I had to buy it, I think. I can't remember what, how much I paid. Probably the $5.99 or $4.99. It's about China. There's nobody who's interviewed. It is being a voyeur for an hour and a half about things that go on in China that is so fascinating that it blew my mind. All we do with China is complain about their workforce and how little they get paid, the sweatshops, the chop shops, the fact that we wear Nikes and people are working for a dollar an hour and they're working without air conditioning and they're working their fingers to their bone and how can these companies do it? We're gonna show them. We're not gonna use any products made in China You know how hard that is to not use products made in China? This movie goes through all the different things, many of the different things, not all, obviously, from sex dolls to, what are those, binoculars to different parts of water bottles. It shows the factories. It shows carpets, how they're made. And it shows what's going on with these workers because the cameras are basically recording the workers as they work. They're listening into conversations. It is mind-boggling. I found it to be such a learning moment to understand what it is like for something that I cannot relate to. And this is not a white privilege issue. This is a... I don't work in a factory issue. And frankly, factories in the US, I would highly doubt are like factories are in China. So if you've got an extra hour and a half, do yourself a favor and watch Ascension. A-S-C-E-N-S-I-O-N. Check it out. All right, I got an update on the Tyler Skaggs trial. 
and I want to talk for a few minutes about the show yesterday because the response I've gotten has been overwhelming. And you're right. Not a lot of people talk the way we talk on Nothing Personal. There are very few podcasts, very few shows out there where someone's willing to tell you what goes on behind the scenes, who's actually been behind the scenes, who's willing to tell you how it is. No BS. Just listen to the promo and you know what Nothing Personal is about. Just listen to the show and you know what we deliver and what we strive to deliver. And you know that sometimes I'll talk about things that are going on in my life. I'll talk about successes and failures. We'll answer your questions. The opioid crisis is significant and I wanted to cover it in a way that would educate you, not form an opinion for you, but give you the tools to improve your quiver so that you can decide for yourself what kind of life you want to lead, what sort of decisions you want to make. The trial continued yesterday, the day before. There were major league players who were testifying, and there's been a lot of attention about Matt Harvey. An MLB official came out yesterday and said that Matt Harvey is eligible and faces a suspension of 60 games. And everyone thought it's because he admitted to doing cocaine. Well, that's not true. Admitting you did cocaine does not subject you to suspension if you have not tested positive for cocaine. Here's what does subject you to suspension, which is a violation of the Joint Drug Prevention Act that is administered and agreed to by the Players Union and the owners. You are not allowed to distribute drugs. You can't be a drug dealer and not get suspended. It has nothing to do with doing the drugs or testing positive for the drugs. You can't distribute them. Matt Harvey admitted under oath that he gave Tyler Skaggs Percocet. That is a violation. It's not even a question. Now, people will say, that doesn't seem fair. He was under oath. He had to answer honestly, and he was granted immunity. That's why he answered the question. Well, folks, when you're granted immunity and you don't invoke your Fifth Amendment right to not discriminate yourself, incriminate yourself, that has nothing to do with Major League Baseball. That is in terms of criminal liability and prosecution. You're immune from prosecution. MLB can give you immunity like they gave the Houston Astros players in the garbage can scandal. You absolutely are allowed, as MLB can do, to grant immunity from MLB. MLB cannot grant immunity from criminal prosecution. The government cannot grant immunity from MLB prosecution. That's not how it works. You can only grant immunity from that which you are in charge of. So an MLB official confirmed yesterday that Harvey does face suspension for those 60 games. Now, the way that would work is that he would have to be signed by a team first. Then once signed, he is then under the purview of the Players Association, a union member, and faces discipline under the collective bargaining agreement for any act that he had done, is doing. Frankly, I'd love it to be will do, but it can't be because we're not in minority report, but wouldn't that be amazing? So if Matt Harvey can find the team willing to sign him, it is likely that MLB will then suspend him for 60 days. He then could, of course, appeal that suspension 
and he could play during the pendency of that appeal. But it's not like there'd be an investigation the way there is into Trevor Bauer or Marcelo Zuna or other domestic violence cases. This would go right to an arbitration where Matt Harvey would have to prove that he did not distribute anything to any major league player. Here's the problem with that. If he says that, he then will be admitting that he lied under oath. That's not a good idea. Even when you have immunity, you cannot commit perjury. You cannot waive your right to tell the truth. You do not get granted immunity by the government and are enabled to lie. So Matt Harvey cannot appeal a suspension and say, I didn't distribute drugs. MLB says, really? I've got the transcript right here. Right in this case, on February 16, 2022, you said you gave pills to Tyler Skaggs. Under the definition of our agreement, that makes you a violator, a distributor. So what MLB is going to say they'll do is there nothing right now because he doesn't play for a team. Once he signs on for a team, then they will have to do an investigation. They'll review any violations, and there will be violations. MLB said it. They will find violations. They will then suspend Matt Harvey. So what does that mean for Matt Harvey's career? Here's a surprise for you. As a matter of fact, it's not a surprise. It's an actual wait to see. Matt Harvey will not pitch one major league inning in 2022. Not one. Why do I say that? The reason I say that is when you run a team and you know that you're signing a player who's a fringe player to begin with, and then you take him, and then you know he's facing a 60-game suspension, why bother? It's not like when we would sign a player who's in rehab for Tommy John surgery, and you sign him knowing very well that the first year he's not going to be able to pitch until maybe the end, but then you're really signing him for the second year when you know he's coming back, so you give him a two-year deal, so you pay for a year of his rehab. Totally different when it's a good player coming back. You don't know whether the player will be able to come back, but the odds are pretty good with Tommy John these days or labrum surgery or whatever the issue is. Matt Harvey's not coming back from rehab. He just stinks now. Remember, he was on the Orioles last year. He had a few good starts. Everyone thought Batman was back. He's done. So when you are evaluating, even when there is a dearth of pitching, which as you know, there is a huge dearth of pitching in Major League Baseball, the reality is nobody's going to sign him. Wait to see. Okay. Coca, you you really want me to talk about that? Okay, I will. Coco was upset, and he wants me to bring it up on the show. You, you know how we do our pre-show, where we talk about things that we're going to talk about, and then during the show, sometimes he thinks of new things, and then he'll say it in my ear, or put it in the document that I'm looking at. He said, what, what happens when a player has admitted that 10 years ago he gave some Percocets to some players? Does that still subject the player to discipline? What about the statute of limitations? So, Coca, let me, let me just teach you quickly about what a statute of limitations means. The statute of limitations doesn't start in a legal sense until the act that is subject to the statute of limitations has been discovered or should have been discovered. How would you know that Matt Harvey was giving opioids unless someone saw it and 
gave that information to Major League Baseball. Major League Baseball sat on it and waited 10 years and then decided to act. That's not what happened. Major League Baseball just discovered this because of the testimony that he gave. So it's not a statute of limitations issue. And you can yell horse hockey in my ear all you want. You know what? I'm taking my earpiece out. You can keep yelling, I can't hear you. Good luck storming the castle. All right, I'm back. Wait to see. Matt Harvey will not pitch a major league inning in 2022. Well, we had a wait to see recently. When was it, Coca? A couple days ago? It was about Camilla Valieva. She was the, it was yesterday. (laughs) I would have bet any amount of money that this was not from yesterday. That really is funny. Yesterday, I had a wait to see on February 16, 2022, that Valieva, that Russian 15-year-old dope-taking, heart-drug-I'm-taking skater, was going to win the gold medal in the individuals. She was in first place going into the free skate, which happened to be today, February 17th. Well, check your phones, check your alerts. She fell four times, which coincides to the place she finished in. They didn't have to postpone the medal ceremony because she didn't win gold. She didn't win silver. She didn't win bronze. Forget the fact that a Russian coach won't even talk to her. Forget the fact that Putin called and is having her forcibly removed from her family. I don't know if that's true, but it could be true. Hey, are we still in the air, Coca? Did they cut our feed yet? It's outrageous. First of all, she shouldn't have been allowed to compete. Second of all, she's only 15. Third of all, she fell four times. Fifth of all, that way to see is a no. She did not win the gold. Nothing personal pick of the day. How many of you know that two days ago we had the Sixers getting one and a half from the Celtics and the Sixers lost by 48 points? Then yesterday we had the Nets getting three and a half from the Knicks and the Nets were down by 28 points in the second quarter. And I was thinking to myself, and many of you were contacting me on Twitter, David P. Sampson, and you were saying, another great one, Dave. That's going to be another L. Coca texted me, man, you are going through a stretch. And I said, guess what? Wait to see. It's the Knicks. The Knicks blew their third 20-point lead in the last seven days, and the Nets not only covered, baby, they won the damn game. We're now 23-17. and Yes. That was like a franchise record collapse by the Knicks. Franchise record comeback for the Nets. But guess what it was for us? Just another win. Meanwhile, I'm watching the Nets. Ben Simmons is there on the bench next to Kevin Durant in street clothes. I hadn't seen Ben Simmons at a game all this year. He certainly never sat on the Philadelphia bench, wearing a mask, cheering for his new teammates. I see Andre Drummond and Seth Curry playing major minutes for the Nets. I'm watching Kyrie Irving miss a road game for the first time since he came back, since the Nets allowed him to come back. Because while it was a road game, it was still in New York. In New York. Adam Silver went public yesterday. Saying, I don't really get this whole vaccination rule that the mayor put in New York City where a road player cannot be forced to be vaccinated, but a home player must be. Wait a minute, Coca. Time out. Why wasn't 
Irving allowed to play. I'm literally thinking about this now as we're doing the show. All home players must be vaccinated, which is why Irving cannot play home games in Brooklyn. But the Nets were the road team in the Garden. Is anyone talking about this? The Nets were the road team. And road players don't have to be vaccinated. So why couldn't Irving play yesterday? Wait a minute. I don't know if you don't stop the show, Coco, but can we find this out? What could be the possible reason? Irving is just a road player. Like every other road player who comes in to play the Nets in Brooklyn who doesn't get vaccinated, who doesn't have to be vaccinated. Maybe you just have to be tested. All Irving would have to be is tested, and he should have been allowed to play. Hmm. Inquiry minds want to know. Meanwhile, Adam Silver is questioning this rule by New York City. And the mayor, there's a new mayor in New York. His name is Eric Adams. Took over for Bill de Blasio. I believe that that rule needs to be changed, Adam Silver said, because he doesn't get it. The mayor made a comment about the rule saying, I get why you don't get it. It seems a little crazy why a home player has to be vaccinated, but a road player doesn't when everyone's in the same place. It's like a picture I saw on Twitter yesterday that I loved. It was called Path of the Virus in a Restaurant. And it showed that the virus only is at seven feet. Because in a restaurant, people put their mask on to walk to the table, then they sit at the table and they don't wear their mask. So only when you are upright do you wear a mask. And that sort of made me laugh. So I guess only road players versus home players. Anyway, let's do a bonus wait to see if you don't mind. Keep track of this. The rule is going to change. Kyrie Irving will be able to play home games for the Nets during the playoffs should they make the playoffs. After last night's game, that could be the catalyst. What a trade with the Sixers getting Curry and Drummond on top of Simmons for the malcontent. Harden, what a great trade. The Nets will make the playoffs. Wait to see. Kyrie Irving will play Nets playoff home games. Okay, what's our pick today? The Miami Heat are in second place in the Eastern Conference. I don't know if you knew that. Do you know who's in first place? The Chicago Bulls. Third place, the Milwaukee Bucks. My pick, wait to see, to win back-to-back titles. The Heat have a bunch of players. No one's ever heard of them. But guess what? They're giving four and a half points to Michael Jordan tonight. Anytime you're giving four and a half to Jordan, you've got yourself a winner. Heat, four and a half over the Hornets. Wait for it. That's our pick of the day. Did you see what happened with the Cowboys yesterday? $2.4 million they just paid. Another investigation, another settlement of another lawsuit of another degenerate. And I'm calling out his name. Often you've, get, you've got media outlets who say, I'm not going to name the name of any of the people who have been subject to this. I'm not calling out the names of the cheerleaders. But I'm going to tell you what Richard Dalrymple did. Richard Dalrymple went into the cheerleaders' locker room at AT&T Stadium, hid behind a wall, and videoed the cheerleaders undressing after cheerleading. One of the cheerleaders saw a phone sticking out from the wall, said, who's this? What's going on? Richard Dalrymple ran out of the locker room and denied that he was videoing, claimed 
that he was there by mistake. This guy's been with the team for decades. This is Jerry Jones's right-hand man, his own personal PR guy. You think Jerry Jones couldn't have helped him find a better way? He's still claiming that he didn't do it, that he wasn't a peeping dick. Yet, the Cowboys decided that instead of having a trial, instead of getting this story even more out of hand, just pay the women $2.5 million, let them split it, and let's move on. Let's settle the case. Here's the problem. The problem is that there are people in the world like Dick who are still doing this. One of my favorite movies has a scene in it. It's called Stripes. When I saw Stripes for the first time, there's a scene when John Larroquette is peeping in on the female soldier's shower and there's nudity in the movie and I saw naked women in a shower scene as being peeped at by John Larroquette and I laughed as a 13-year-old when someone walked into the general's office or he was a colonel, whatever he was, or major captain, and he pushed the, ste- the, not stethoscope, the telescope that he was using, he pushed it out the window. There was a sound effect of breaking glass. He turned around as though to pretend he wasn't doing what he was doing. And 40 years ago, my reaction as a prepubescent teen was to laugh. And every time I watched that movie ever since, I laughed. But not anymore. That didn't age well for me, that joke. Porkies, same thing peeping Tom. What was acceptable 30 years ago, 20 years ago? Thank God it's not acceptable now. But what about people who've been doing what they've done that it's become normal? People who spy on women trying to see naked women. But to them, they think there's nothing wrong with it. No one will see. I'm not using this video to sell it or disseminate information. I'm using it for myself. Well, Maybe now times have finally changed and maybe people who are now 15 years old know better than I did when I was 15 or 14. And so when they grow up to be 30 and 40 and 50, it won't even occur to them to treat women the way women were treated when I was 13, 14, and 15. Maybe that's progress. The Cowboys had no choice but to settle this case. It's another nightmare for the Cowboys, for the NFL, for Roger Goodell, They'll try to sweep it under the rug. Jerry Jones may say that he doesn't talk to Dick anymore, Richard Dalrymple. But when you've got someone like Jerry Jones who've had had the same advisor, the same consigliere for that amount of time, guess what? He will remain Jerry Jones's consigliere. And what once they found funny, they're still going to find funny because that's their demographic. The hope is that the younger people, as they get older, will become that older demographic. And then the repeated stage of misogyny, discrimination, maybe then it ends. But in the meantime, 2.4 million does not make up for what these girls and what these cheerleaders and what these women have to go through. It's flat out wrong. Richard Dalrymple, how dare you normalize and think it's right to do what you did and then deny it? For the Cowboys, when they decided to pay the women their money, they didn't do it because they necessarily thought it was wrong. They did it because it's just business. This is nothing personal. 
Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.